happy quarantine, you guys. Um, <laughs> what is this, like the millionth, millionth day in a row that we are just kind of chilling at home? Um, it definitely has taught me a lot of life lessons, I can tell you that much. Um, the idea of patience and problem solving. I was on the phone this morning with uh, billing and coding and definitely trying to work out an overcharge, which that was fun. <laughs> that was very, very interesting. Um, but I just wanted to get on here for a second uh, because as I'm diving or deep diving into relationships and, you know, um, dating and femininity and quality, and I just did a video, which I'm going to be posting on my YouTube, um, about the kinds of men that are out there predators, protectors, or uh, parasites, so make sure to check that out. Um, but I wanted to come on here because something is kind of sitting in my stomach for a minute, and I'm starting to think, why is it that people have affairs in the first place? Um, which kind of has to do with dating in the sense that we know that someone loves us, and we know that someone cares about us, and that person may be doing everything right that they possibly can to make us happy and fulfill us and fulfill our dreams and vice versa. Um, they've met all of our standards, you know, great job, they're handsome, they're funny, they make us laugh. But why do we see sometimes what looks like, at least on the outside, um, we see them crumble or someone will be together 30 years or 40 years or maybe not 30 or 40 years maybe it's even 15 years which is a really good chunk of time and then we see them fall prey to affairs and you know cheating or whether it's an emotional affair um, like we saw um, I think it was uh, Justin Timberlake you know um, earlier this winter, there were some rumors, allegedly rumors running around about him having an affair with the co-star. Or it's a very, very physical affair um, where the person either sleeps with somebody else or makes out with somebody else. Your terminology for what you believe constitutes an affair, like that's going to be different to um, every different person, right? And I've talked about how different people have different relationships and they, they have different standards. For me, myself, I'm more traditional, um, traditional set of standards. But like I said, some people wouldn't care if their significant other went to a strip club. And then some people would be absolutely horrified. Um, some people wouldn't care if their significant other was scrolling through Instagram and hearting Insta models because they feel like men are very visual creatures and it is what it is. But other women, and I know this for a fact because you guys have reached out to me on Instagram, uh, have been very upset by the idea of somebody, you know, either watching porn or, you know, maybe it's nothing that severe. Maybe it is just the fact that they are looking at other models and thinking they're pretty. And I've heard both sides of the argument. So what constitutes an affair, like I said, goes back to each couple and their standards. Same thing when men look at women. Maybe men don't like the idea of a woman having a quotation mark, quotation mark, work hubs, you know? 
somebody um, that they are not flirtatious, but they're very friendly with and tr chummy with, that can make somebody feel really uncomfortable. Um, and I totally get that, you know? And, and we, we tend to make it all about us when somebody cheats or when somebody, you know, um, hurts us in an emotional way, right? Um, but I was just doing some research for this podcast and I think that there are two really incredible ingredients when it comes to any relationship, which is a module or a layer of closeness versus a module or a layer of distancing. And, and those two things kind of have to be aligned to have a help, happy, healthy relationship, right? So when we think about the idea of distance, it's kind of crazy because it's like, why would you want to have distance in a relationship? Why that's that that seems unhealthy, right? Like, why would I want to have distance from somebody that I love? But when we think of a codependent relationship, that is someone that has no distance, they're incapable of distance. They have to be right up on their significant other. They have to be practically crawling inside of their skin, <laughs> which sounds graphic, but you've seen couples like that, we all have. I remember one time I was with a friend of mine and we were just chilling and having some ice cream and we looked up and this couple came in and the man seemed very cool and you know, know just kind of chill and the woman was like all over him like hugging him touching him kissing his neck almost to the point where it was like pathetic she was like almost crawling on him you know in a, in a public place and PDA is a whole nother discussion obviously you know different people are gonna have layers of PDA some people are gonna be very PDA others are gonna be respectful with their PDA like maybe a kiss on the lips or a hug and then some people's are some people people's oh the grammar grammar is driving me nuts um but some people are gonna be like wow um just all over each other or one partner, and this is usually why we see it, one partner will be all over their partner and the other partner will want more distance. So there has to be in a happy, healthy relationship, kind of um, a good level of both self-autonomy, like we used to say in my education classes, because I went to school for early childhood education, self-autonomy and, um, you know, and, and that's when it comes to the distance portion, having your own identity, being your own person. This is why I talk about how it's so important as a woman to know who you are, your career, your goals, your dreams before you get with somebody, before you start having a serious relationship, with someone, know who you are, know what your dreams are, your goals are, know, not even uh, career-wise, know what you want or what you don't want and have very ironclad standards. It is okay to have standards. It is okay to be picky. It is okay to say, you know what? I don't want kids. I've never wanted kids. I think kids are gross and snotty and... <laughs> And, and run around or if you definitely do want kids make that a firm assessment and be like that is something I really really want in life is to be a mom and take care of someone and love them and you know and build a family with someone which is a beautiful thing you have to be very firm in your resolutions for what you want from your relationships to your job the kind of money you want to make do you want to write a book? Do you want to be a model in Prague? Like, do you want to be a flight attendant? Any 
anything that you want to do, you have to be constantly working towards that. That's the difference between someone who has ambition but never does anything about it and so they, they just kind of dream but they don't actually go after it or someone who has dreams but they don't add the ambition, they don't make any plans to make any of these things come true. You know, and so what does this have to do with cheating and affairs? Well, I'll tell you, if you're not sure who you are as a person and you don't have very clear resolution to your identity, when you get with a person, what starts to happen is this codependent mess where you start feeling like it's not, you know, Sarah and Bob, it's not, you know, Jenny and James, it's it's the two of them together, like this globby marshmallow, you know? Um, like Janes instead of Jenny and James, it's Janes because the two of them have conglomerated into this awful couple blob. And maybe James isn't feeling that at all. Maybe he feels content with the closeness. Maybe he absolutely loves Jenny and he thinks this is great, but Jenny is going to feel if she doesn't know who she is before she gets in the relationship, a reason why a man or woman might cheat is because it's almost like reasserting your body autonomy that you are worth something to the rest of the world and I'm not agreeing with cheating by the way but this is a really interesting perspective when I did my research for this podcast that you are presenting yourself and it's not just James that wants you day in and day out whether you're 30 pounds overweight and you have pimples or you get a brand new pixie cut and you know and colored contacts in and you're feeling beautiful about yourself sometimes women and men will cheat because they are trying to figure out who am I I've turned into this couple marshmallow and I have no idea who I am and I want to know I'm attractive to the rest of the world um, without just being attracted to my mate, which sounds horrifying, right? Uh, Absolutely horrifying. Like if you have a good man or a good woman, which what do we always say? The idea that we're always looking for like a good man and we're saying, oh, there's no more good men left. And then you find women that turn around and they have a dedicated great man or vice versa. You find men who've been with somebody 30 years, you know, or more, what comes to mind is Jeff Bezos and the idea of uh, Amazon and his wife being with him for so long. And then he allegedly, allegedly cheated, right? And it's like somebody that stood with you and loved you and helped you build your dream. Maybe they even tweaked uh, the way that you made your presentation to the investors. So that if you are a tech mogul or you are a startup company, maybe things ran smoother because of your um, significant other's feedback. And then to turn around and cheat, which is it's just it's just horrifying. But you know, a lot of dating coaches will say it's really not about us, and that's hard to hear in the moment when we get cheated on. And I've been cheated on before, and it's gross, and it's horrifying, and it's shocking, and it sucks. And nobody wants to go through that, but maybe psychologically, if we can understand other people's motives, it doesn't lessen the pain, but what we need to do is tap into our most logical side. 
And if we are filled up with pain and we're dwelling on that pain, we're not going to get better and we're not going to heal from this shit. But once we start tapping into our logical side, our most logical brain, our frontal cortex, and we start processing the fact that the cheating happened in the first place, um, and maybe we even look into the psychological reasons, it creates a distance between what they did and us. And in some way, that can, I think, lessen the pain of that. Um, the more we look into it as, well, it is their problem. It literally is their problem. Because I remember when I was cheated on, one of the things that happened to me is I got psychologically stuck uh, and I would definitely be like, well, why wasn't I good enough? Why wasn't I, you know, was it the meals I cooked or the way I dressed or was it my hair or, you know, did I not give him enough attention? Did I give him too much attention and stifle him? When we create that distance and we psychologically kind of look into this, not to nerd out on you, but when we psychologically look into this, it actually helps us. I think the distance helps us heal and realize it is not about us and it will not be about us. And of course, every relationship is going to have ups and downs and flaws. And, and, you know, you ask any healthy couple and they will tell you any um, healthy couple will say, yeah, we have our ups and downs, but we still love each other at the end of the day. So an unhealthy couple, or maybe one that looks like it's perfectly fine, but, but it, it has these cracks or these fissures in the relationship that maybe you don't see right away. Um, I think, like I said, it's, it's needing distance and needing closeness and you have to have that perfect, perfect combination of distance and closeness. Otherwise, you uh, are, I'm not saying you're doomed for cheating, but I, I'm starting to understand sometimes why it happens a little bit. Um, the cycle, the psychology behind it is really fascinating. And the same thing, because we've talked about distance and needing to be away from someone. Let's talk about for a minute when you feel like you're not close enough because maybe you have an icy partner, maybe you have somebody who's not big into PDA, maybe you have somebody who for whatever reason, um, they never were taught to be warm and giving and you know, they were never, they never had a warm set of parents and that happens, you know, you have very icy parents sometimes, hopefully you don't, but a person can. Um, and I think that um, if they're not used to, and I've had this as well, but if you're not used to, uh, affection and attention and love and kindness, if you date somebody like that, where they're very anti-PDA or they're just, their love language is different, which like I said, that's a whole podcast in itself talking about love languages and the importance of understanding a, your love language, as well as your femininity type and how to lead with that. That's a whole nother Stay tuned because that's a whole nother podcast in itself um, or video. But I definitely think it's important to understand that someone who is not used to warmth and physical affection is going to really struggle when you are such an affectionate, warm person. My love language is physical touch, not necessarily in the intimate way as much as I want a partner who puts their hand on my arm, leg, you know, or my arm or, you know, holding hands in the parking lot. Like I want that physical closeness, but what you can get, just like you get somebody who wants their own body autonomy and they want their own 
image and to know that they are, you know, valuable to the world without just being valuable to Bob or being valuable to Jim or being valuable to whoever. They want to be valuable uh, to the rest of the world. You also get people who are the exact opposite where they put their partner on a platform, they become their everything and they stifle them and they... Um, they just want to be right up on them and, and, and squeezing them and not giving them enough room to be their own person. Um, and both things, like I said, can really, really be the reason for somebody, you know, having an affair because they're not getting the attention or the love. They have a very icy partner who has never been into PDA. Um, or they are a kind of person who feels stifled and feels like nauseous at the idea of a partner being so um, under their skin, literally and figuratively, and they don't know how to handle that. So if you have been cheated on, I hope that this uh, podcast is helping you a little bit and giving you some feedback. Um, I cannot take the pain of that away, and I, I know that it is one of the most painful things that you can go through. What I wish someone would have offered me when I got cheated on, they, they like to say that time heals all. I don't think that there is any amount of time that can take that pain away. I would rather say education heals all. And what I mean by that is you have to empower yourself. I had a narcissistic ex. I had to go on YouTube and read books and understand narcissism and understand their tactics to protect myself from falling into that trap again, since I'm a very empathetic person. Um, and I had to, you know, watch videos um, about the brain and the way it reacts to love uh, like a drug. And the way that when that love is taken away, again, it reacts to the brain. The brain reacts to the absence of that like a drug, very similar to a drug. And once I understood that, I could understand all of the emotions that were coursing through me and, you know, the pain and the anger and that I was going to feel a level of the stages of grief. You have denial, you have your grief, you have your anger, you have, you know, the idea of uh, negotiation, talking to God, you know, these are things that real people go through, not just with grief itself, um, but with, you know, the anger of infidelity and an affair. And it doesn't have to be in a marriage or not, because a lot of people tend to think of affairs as, oh, this person cheated in a marriage. It still hurts. Whether you are married to them or you are not married to them, it still hurts whether you've been with them three, six, eight months, whether you are a newbie and you realize that this person has cheated on you. And it hurts like whether you've been with them 30 years or not. Everybody's pain is valid. And that's something that I want you to remember because if someone is belittling you, you have to take a step back. I'm sure that they mean well, they don't mean to belittle you, but sometimes they can say, well, you were only with them three months. Well, you were only with them six months. Come on, you get over it by now. No, you take as much time as you need to get better and to be well, okay? So I hope that some of these tips have helped you and maybe helped you to reframe uh, 
what it means to cheat and why people do it. It's definitely an interesting phenomenon. I'm not agreeing with it at all, by the way, in case you guys are thinking I'm agreeing with it. But once we understand it, we have power over it. Once we understand what has happened to us, we can empower ourselves to be our best possible selves and we are letting go of that baggage and we are, it no longer is weighing us down. So I definitely hope that you ladies will think of that, especially going through cheating um, and recovery from cheating and infidelity. Okay. Thank you so much for tuning in again. Um, like I said, this quarantine is a creative boost for me. I'm excited to do some things and create more projects for you. Um, make sure that you check me out here, um, or on YouTube at SEV Collins and the blog, The Average Jane. I love you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.